And you can open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 to be prepared for uh, some of the lesson today. Uh, the lesson is entitled, uh, What Superpower Would You Choose? Uh, and so I want you to consider this. Maybe you've got a, a superpower, and this is a fun question, isn't it? What superpower would you choose? And maybe what combination, you know, well, maybe it'd be easiest just say, well, I'll take them all. Superman has a bunch, maybe I'll take them all too, right? Um, but I, what is the superpower that you'd really like to have? We've got all these superheroes that we think about, and um, uh, the terrible thing about phones is now all the graphics are going up and down instead of a, a slideshow kind of production, so I didn't find a real good one except this one. Uh, what superhero power would you choose? Let me change. I just realized you guys got that bottom screen going there. Let me see if this eliminates it. Oh, nope, it doesn't. Oh, well. Um, so there's all a bunch of little things listed here from strength. When we think of Superman, we think of strength, and we also strength think of flight, that ability to use x-ray vision. He's got all these wonderful powers that are so cool. Um, could he go invisible? He couldn't go invisible, though, could he? Could no, Jerry's the officiando. If he's, he's the one I'll look to if I have a superhero question. He couldn't go invisible. Of course, you got, um, over a, as far as pictures go, I think under Superman, if you can see her, is Wonder Woman. She, at least, she had an invisible jet. They all had these super wonderful gadgets too, right? Maybe your superhero power would be a particular gadget. My superhero that I liked when I was a kid, in which I don't even know if I have one anymore that I'd say is my favorite, but I remember when I was a kid, I loved Green Lantern. Anybody else happen to love Green Lantern? Really, Keith? You like Green Lantern? There was something, and I, and I was like, why did I like Green Lantern? Because really the power is just in a ring. It wasn't in him. But he'd imagine these things, and then the ring would use that energy, what is it, energy projection, I think, is what he's listed as. And he could make anything or do anything with, that he could imagine. He could do it with that ring. And that was just a neat thing. He must have made something really cool at some point. So, um, but he could fly, too. I think the ring made him fly. And so it was just neat stuff. And to imagine these wonderful powers is kind of a fun thing. It's kind of fun just to say, I'd rather be talking with you about it, but instead you're just listening to me. i got a hand raised and a head shake and stuff. But does anybody have a favorite superhero power that you would want? You got one? Jace, what would yours be? Oh, you'd be like Spider-Man? You want to be able to shoot webs <laughs> and swing. Swing would look super fun. Super strength. Seems like whenever he gets hit, all these guys, then they have invulnerability too because they, you can punch them and they'll always come back, right? They don't break. Jay, what's yours? Time travel. Time travel. Oh, man. This, is, this seems like an ultimate one, doesn't it? You can go back and you change anything, go to the future, see what's happening. You could, uh, you could figure out uh, who's going to win on Saturday and win a million bucks, right, Jay? <laughs> but we, and, and then it starts, once you start asking these questions about what, your, what superpower would you have, then the question comes, well, how would you use it? 
watch here because we sometimes we have these sneaky little things that suddenly I'm time traveling and I'm seeing what happens with the game going backwards, putting down a bet so I can win a million bucks. That's not a good thing. How would you use your superpower? What would you do with it? What power would you have? Would you use it for good or you got it some selfish motivations, some selfish things that you're going to do? So anyhow, think about those superpowers. And the reason I'm talking about superpowers is because there's a Bible verse um, that's our, that was in our Bible reading today. But let's go ahead and look in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, well, and, and it's, it's from verses 19 through 21. But first of all, I want, I want to remind you that what we studied last week is we were called to imitate Paul as he imitated Christ. That's one of the messages that's throughout 1 Corinthians. Paul says, imitate me. Follow my example. Do what I do. Pay attention to how I spoke and how I acted and do the same things. And then later on, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I think it was chapter 10, wasn't it? Chapter 9, 10, 11. Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. So we're to be imitators of him. And then I've got this passage that seems to allude to his power, kind of having power. And the question comes to us in a second then. But look at 4, um, 19 uh, through 21. Paul says, I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? So there's some power that's being alluded to here that some other people were claiming to have power. And when Paul says uh, the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power, I think he's saying there's some power that we have. There's some very important power. And I wonder... What power did Paul have? What was he alluding to? Do we have, did Paul have power that's being alluded to there? It's a really interesting passage and a little, a little tricky to try and figure out exactly what all's going on here. But my first question, just a simple question, did Paul have power? And we know that Paul had power, didn't, didn't he? We know that Paul had power from the Holy Spirit to work miracles. He was an apostle And it shone through. He was a powerful man. You can look in Acts chapter, um, well, you can read through Acts and you can see Paul's power on display. In Acts chapter 13, uh, verses 8 through 12, and then Acts chapter 14, 8 through 10, Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 12. And I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll turn and read the Acts 19. And this is after he had, this is his third missionary journey, but this is when he's in Ephesus, and this one really just shows the power of Paul. It says, God was performing extraordinary miracles. By the way, that the word miracles there, I think there's different ways you can interpret miracles. I think it's actually the same word, the dunamis, dynamite, this power that was mentioned in our initial verse, um, Acts, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 4.20. It's dunamis, it's power, like dynamite, powerful. 
And I think when it's interpreted here as miracles, a lot of times the word miracles comes from that word power, dunamis. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. So he was doing great and powerful things because the Holy Spirit was in him and he was able to do those things. So certainly Paul had power from the Holy Spirit. He could do miracles. He could cast out demons. That, I think that was the, the reference in Acts chapter 14, 8 through 10. He cast out a spirit and then people got mad at him because the little girl had a spirit. And she lost her ability to tell the future. The earliest passage I've referenced there, Acts 13, is when uh, there was some kind of... Uh, not a magician, but some kind of sorcerer or something that he was trying to convince the um, Sergius Paulus, I think was his name, to don't, don't listen to Paul. Don't listen to Paul. Don't listen to Paul. He kept interrupting. Paul was trying to teach this guy. Paul told him, uh, you're going you're gonna to be quiet. And uh, he, was, he was blinded, lost his vision, and, uh, and he shut up then. Closed that mouth. Let Paul speak. So he had power from the Holy Spirit. And that was actually the Acts 13 passage. First time the power really shows up in Paul. Alright, so Paul had Holy Spirit power to do these miracles, things beyond humanly possible. He had that kind of power. So was that the power that Paul was referring to? Well, let me talk about another power. Another possibility is that Paul also spoke... A powerful message. He spoke with power. His words had power. And that's you can see that right in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and Him crucified. Now, wouldn't you agree that this idea of, I, I'm not talking in eloquent words, I'm not some great orator, but I just simply spoke a message about Jesus and Him crucified. The power is in the message. Don't you think? The power is the fact that the very Son of God, God Himself in the form of man, comes down here and He dies on a cross to save us from our sins. That's a powerful message. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And that's Paul writing there. It's him writing that message. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power unto salvation. The power for it is for, now I'm not quoting it right. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation first to the Jew then to the Greek. The gospel message, the good news, is power, power to save. So Paul had this message that was connected with power. And maybe this is fitting because you think about those Corinthians. As, you know, the, uh, the people who are saying something else are claiming to have power. Maybe they were claiming to have power in their message. Paul's saying, no, we've got power in our message. 
But I also want you to extend, it's very much connected with this. So what was Paul's power? What is the kingdom of God, the power that's in the kingdom of God? Remember, that was the words. The power, the kingdom of God is not of, does not consist in words, but in power. So what is this power? Is it just Holy Spirit power to work miracles? The book of Corinthians talks a lot about those miracles. So I have to say, man, that's, I'm tempted to say yes to that because 1 Corinthians has all kinds of discussion about powers that came through the Holy Spirit upon the congregants there, the people there, and they were using those powers in a lot of different ways. It was kind of a mess, really. Is that the, is that the power that, they, that he was talking about? Is that the kingdom power? Or is the power in the message? Those are two different possibilities. But I think connected with this idea of the powerful message, what's the power of the message that we have? The message of Jesus, as I think about the, the communion that we partook in this morning, we were remembering Jesus him crucified. We know he didn't stay crucified. He didn't stay dead. He, was, he rose from that tomb. So there was great power even in his death. He overcame death. It's, it's a powerful thing. A lot of things about power here. But ultimately, the greatest power. What's the greatest power that is exemplified as we go to the table? Every week, week by week, what's the greatest thing that we're reminded of? I'd probably answer that differently in a lot of different ways. Different times, depend upon what I was thinking of, but I think it comes to this. Paul's superpower, the greatest part of the message is love. It's love. When we come to the table, we're remembering, man, this is how much God loves me. The thought that was given to us today was a comparison of God providing for Abraham. All the way back in the Old Testament in Genesis 15, God says, bring your only son. Sacrifice him, him to me. And did God... Excuse me, did Abraham love and trust God enough? Did he love God enough to say, okay, I'll do that? Or did he love his son more? He had this amazing love and he was willing to give up his own son. He knew God would provide. He trusted God. And so we're reminded of this, this message is that we can come to him. We can trust him. Him, he loved us enough to provide for us. And I think Paul, when we're talking about the kingdom of God, and when we're looking at Paul as an example, I think Paul did have power. And the power was love. He certainly was able to do miracles, but his greatest power, his greatest asset was God's love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The entirety of it is, listen to this, as we think about this, as you think about God's love, God defines love. And in this passage, we acknowledge the great powers that those people had 
that, that this letter was being, you imagine this, this was being, being read to a group of people in Corinth who were listening to it at some point for the first time. They didn't throw it away then. They kept reading it, going back to it, right? And they, cha- they shared it with a bunch of other Christians all over. We, get it, we were able to hear it today and share it today. But this is the main piece. This is the central piece. This is the superpower. And, the, and you hear very quickly that the idea of love is greater than even the workings of miracles. Love is the greatest thing. That's the message here. Love is it. Love is the superpower. This is the power of the kingdom is love. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is the power. Listen to the power. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, so here's a miraculous gift. That these people had. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. does not take into account a wrong suffered. does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy... They will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child and think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abideth these three, but the greatest of these is love. Interesting chapter. Lots of theological stuff in here. Lots of questions. I'd ask you to consider the possibility. I'm not making this as a statement that I would say that I'm 100% sure on, actually, as I present this to you. But I think the, the miraculous gifts, is, they're clearly referred to as imperfect. We prophesy in part. We, we speak in part, whatever the, those... Um, That language was uh, verse number nine. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. These miraculous workings of the spirit that people receive through the laying on of the apostles hands, they were going to be done away. That's not the perfect thing. We look at those 
miraculous gifts, those people that were able to speak in tongues, able to prophesy and speak perfectly the word of God. Those people who were able to go up to people and say, and we see that people do this, I would say pretend to do this on TV. They're laying their hands on people and saying, I heal you in the name of Jesus. And, you know, we, that's stuff's gone away. That stuff was, they were really doing it back in the time of the early church. They really did that. But those things were to be done away. The time the Corinthians was written, it said they, these things will pass. They will cease. The question is, when will they cease? And we've got all kinds of questions about the statement I just made. Well, Eric, are you sure you're so confident you're going to judge all those people who claim to be healing? So consider, in the context, this possibility that the miraculous gifts were imperfect, but perhaps the perfect thing that was to come was love. A full understanding of love, the full understanding of the love that was displayed for us on the cross. That's the perfect thing. So the miraculous gifts were no longer needed. So that's all commentary on verses 9 and 10 in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The greatest thing is love. When the perfect thing, when that which is complete and it's performed and could it be love? The other tempting thing to say, I admit, and I think this part of it is, you know, the truth. The truth, the, the, uh, the whole gospel of Christ and the whole New Testament coming to us. I think that's the perfect word of God. There's good arguments for that, too. But I think when we have the, the entirety of Scripture coming to us and we understand what Jesus wanted us to be taught, then we have that which is perfect and we can be led to love. To love. The greatest thing is love. Consider also that Jesus said, or Jesus said that his disciples would do greater things than his works. So look at John chapter 14, verses 11 through 15. Believe me that I am, this is Jesus speaking, remember. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. The deeds that he did, those works. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So here is a, you know, we want to be able to do what Jesus commands us to do. We want to follow his commands. That's what we should be praying about. That's what we should be doing is the things that he asks us to do. I'll skip down a little farther They left that place wherever they were at. And Jesus in John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, then he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Now the Old Testament commanded people to love their neighbor commanded us to love God and to love our neighbor 
Jesus brings the command to love, he brings it up another notch because he says, love as I have loved you. This is a new command. This is us learning uh, that we are commanded to love just as God has loved us and we're reminded every Sunday how much God has loved us. And we're commanded to go out and love others and to love one another here in our midst, to love the brethren, love our brothers that much. A self-sacrificial kind of love, not a touchy-feely love or however the world wants to define love. We don't think of love that way. We think of God's love as being defined as what God and His Son did for us at the cross. Putting others first. Doing all that is needed to save ones who are lost. Greater love is no one than this. That one lay down his life for his friends. And his commandment, by the way, is that we love one another in the same way. Love is the command. Love is what we should be praying for. When In that previous passage, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Here's the greatest command is to love each other. Let's be praying about that. And that is, uh, at times, it's a mountain that is difficult to move. It's not easy to love. So I believe Paul's superpower is love. I think when he spoke in 1 Corinthians 13, he was saying the greatest thing. It's not the miracles you can perform, you people that I've laid my hands on you and you can perform miracles and do these neat things that can come only from God. The greatest thing you can do is to love. And our superpower is love. Speaking to us today, our superpower, yours and mine, our power is love. So let us love one another. 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 through 20. Listen to how it speaks about that God is love. If we know God, then we're going to abide in love. And if we abide in love, we're going to love one another. This is our superpower. This is our strength. This is our greatest asset. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us. Now that phrase jumps me back to 1 Corinthians 13. Both written by the Holy Spirit. By this, love is perfected. Love is completed in us and with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Jesus, when he came, everything he did was love. He exemplified love. We need to live and abide in that same way. Just as Christ was, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, continuing in 1 John 4, 15 through 21. But perfect love cast out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God 
whom he has not seen. Think about that. If you don't love somebody here in this building, you don't love your brother, your sister in Christ, you don't know God. You have no clue. You know nothing about God. You take the communion and it's all just nothing. It's nothing if you have not love. And this is the commandment we have from him, 1 John 4, 21. That the one who loves God should love his brother also. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, Jesus said. Our super hot power is love. You know, we get excited about talking about, hey, you know, what kind of superpower you would... Could you fly, invisible, read other people's thoughts? What, what, you know, what's your superpower? What would it be? Oh, that's fun to talk about. But we have a superpower, church. Our superpower is love. The question then is, do you need to grow in your love? And will you use your quote-unquote superpower? It really is a superpower because we love. It's not a love that's from us. It's a love that we have learned. It's a love because we abide in Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. The, lo- the fruits of the Spirit are love. The first one listed is love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and all those. Love's the first. It's vital. It's the most important. It's a thing that we learn when we take the bread and the cup every week. And young people, you know, it's kind of you got your whole life to think about who you are, what do you want to become, what do you want to do with your life, where you're going to, you know, how much money you're going to make so you can retire someday and live a life of luxury and your life will be great. Blah, 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 blah. Love is our power. Let us focus on love. And adults, hey, somebody's imitating us. They're looking at us. Do we have love for one another? Love's it. How do you get that love? What? Spider-Man, Jace, how do you get his powers? Had, had to get bit by that radioactive spider, didn't he? How'd Superman have his powers? Well, he was born with them, but he had to come to Earth to... Realize his powers, right? Different environment. You know, uh, what other people? You know, uh, Flash. Jack and I have been watching Flash. He had to get hit with the um, the the lightning and the the particle accelerator explosion. You know, it's like there's there's a way you get your powers, right? And we don't have the power to love. We don't have love like Jesus has. So we need a spirit. So when we come to Christ. When we're immersed into him, the promise is that when we are dipped in that water, submitting to God, that God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when we're raised up, we've got this faith, we've got a new life, and we've got a new superpower. Because we have love. We know love. And now we grow in that love. And we want that love to be perfected in us. So if anybody needs that love, the love of Christ today, 
you want to learn to love, you want to have your superpower, I encourage you today to give your life to Jesus, be immersed into him. Jay's going to lead us in a song of encouragement. And if anybody wants to respond to the invitation, please come as we stand and sing.